Hello and welcome to The Lead Podcast. On today's episode, I have the honor of speaking to RTS award-winning filmmaker, Femi Oyuniran. Hello. Hello. How are you? Very well, thank you. Thank you for joining us today. Thanks for having me. It's, um, it's delightful to be here. So Femi, we're going to get into what you do and all of the amazing magic you make. But first of all, can you tell us a little bit about young Femi? and some childhood memories that shaped who you are today. Wow, that's that's a really, do you know, I've been doing this for a long time and no one's actually asked me that kind of question before, which is um unique. And so um I would say like for me, like growing up, I grew up in Nigeria. Um I was born there. I was born in Lagos. Um I spent a little bit of time living with my um grandparents in a place called Modakeke, which is near a place called Ife, which is um the sort of like home of the Yoruba people. That's where all the Yoruba people come from. And so um I, I while spending time there actually, what I would say is there was um one thing I remember distinctly, at nighttime people tell stories and there will be this refrain like story, story, and then a the person that, that's telling a story will say story, story, and the people listening will say story. And then someone would like tell a story, it will either be made up or real whatever but like and 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 storytelling has always been an important part of who i am and um the medium obviously has evolved over time um from acting to to sort of like filmmaking and writing and so on and so forth but at the core of what i do is like i've always loved stories i've yeah. always loved storytelling and and that's um that's i can give you a million stories from my childhood that sort of um distinguished that i remember even um i was telling my son this yesterday my um aunt that I lived with in Lagos before I moved to England, she um used to have lots of people from London visit her in, and, and they would visit. And one of the ladies that used to visit me, she used to call me Radio Bagada. I used to live in this place called Bagada in Lagos. And like she used to call me Radio Bagada because I had all the stories. Like I just had all the different, different stories and I would just yap on and yap on <laughs> to adults all the time. So... For me, like from as long as I can remember, storytelling has been a core part of who I am and, and how I live and how I express myself. Mm, I love that. And when was the moment that you knew that storytelling was going to be your career? Like this is what you wanted to do. Do you know what? Uh, people, like I wanted to be a lawyer growing yeah. up. So I, I didn't even want to be a lawyer. I wanted to be rich. So I remember like one time, you know, my parents used to travel a lot. So my, 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 um, my, Mum once sent me to go and stay at one of her friend's house. Mm -hmm. And um, I was with this family. I used to love staying with this family because they had young people, like they had loads of kids and they were young and they were slightly older than me, but, and they had Sky so I could watch like MTV Bass. That was a big thing back then. And that, so for me, I used to love visiting them. And I remember that dad was dropping us to school. So he dropped off his son. And then his son went to a school called Igate Woods. I went to a school called St. Aloysius. They're not too far from each other. So he dropped off his son. He's dropping me off. And I remember like, um, he said to me like, what do you want to be when you're older? And I was like, I don't know. I want to be rich. <laughs> and he was like, I remember him saying this clearly. God bless this man. So I remember him saying like, you just can't be rich. Like you need a job to be rich. You can't just be rich. That's not a job. And it blew my mind. And I was like, my gosh, like, then what do I want to do to be rich? And so then I remember a few years later, I was looking through, um, looking through some career stuff and I saw um, that solicitors made like 
at the time, like, oh no, barristers made like a hundred grand a year. I'm like, that sounds like a lot of money. I want that job. And, and because again, I was in school, I was quite, I got good grades, so I could do anything really. So I was, I got A's in everything. So then I could do anything. So I remember that at that point I wanted to be a barrister. And then over the years, like, you know, more and more of my, I, I was always into creativity. I was always the like one of the few boys in all the drama classes that I went to. Like I was always like in that mix, in the drama workshops and all of that stuff. And over time that just sort of took, took, um, took prominence in my life. And then I auditioned for Kid Out when I was 17. And like, I've told this story lots of times. I got the role in that movie. And then from there, I've been able to like sort of fashion a career out of like the film and television industry that includes acting amongst other things. Mm, yeah, I love it. So the whole breadth of storytelling from the yeah. acting, writing, directing, making these stories come alive. Yeah, I get to do, I'm so lucky because like, you know, I, I get to, sometimes I get to act. Sometimes I get to produce because I'm I've got that legal brain and a little bit of accounting and I can do logistics a little bit. Sometimes I get to produce, sometimes I get to direct. But what I love the most actually is acting and writing because like they're the closest to creativity. Yeah. And writing is 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 um I I don't mean this in a blasphemous way, but it's like kind of like it's like the closest to God that we can get because like I just feel like, yeah, yeah, I feel like that's just that's a different level of envisioning something and being able to bring it to life mm-hmm. and manifest it mm-hmm. in on the page and then eventually to a film or eventually to a music video or eventually to a documentary. Yeah. But that started here. In the imagination. Yeah, that just started. Like, and you literally bring it in. Yeah, you bring it, yeah, you bring it in and then you manifest it mm. on paper and then in film and in all these different mediums. Like, you know, I'm putting out films that, me and my friend had a conversation about and now it's a real film that people watch and have an opinion on. Yeah. And I'm like, even if you don't like it, me and my friend were just laughing with each other on the phone, mm-hmm. came up with this idea and we did it. And the fact that it's affecting you to feel a negative or positive feeling is really powerful. So I just feel like actually writing and manifesting ideas and bringing to life visions that exist in my mind is um I feel like you know that's very close to my purpose, my calling. Powerful. Um, and speaking about some ideas that you've brought into the world, you have a film that is being released on the eighth of September. Fifteenth. Fifteenth of September. Who wrote your notes? So much Who false information, notes? fake news. <laughs> <laughs> um, can you tell us a little bit about this project? What inspired so, it? So there's a film called Trapping that I'm involved in um, that's coming out on the 15th of September. Trapping um, was written by Penny Walcock and a guy called Dylan Duffus, who's an actor that I've worked with in the past. They Penny met me years ago and she'd been trying to approach me to do um, films for like one of her films. She's pitched me so many ideas. And I remember reading this script and it touched me. In, in, in I felt disgusted. I felt like, oh my gosh, this is because the film is set in a trap house and like the kids, like there's a kid, it's about a kid who decides that he wants to go to the countryside to sell drugs. And so he begs the older guys on his estate to to let him do it. And so he does it, he's making money, he's trying to help his mom, but really he's doing it just for his own self, right? Selfish, for selfish goals. And, but it turns horribly wrong. And like you, you see 
in a way you see that experience in a raw undiluted way and it's it's a bit uncomfortable watch now but at the time it was uncomfortable for me to imagine because I'm a very visual person yeah. so I was imagining it and it just made me really uncomfortable and um because of that I felt like I had to make the film because I couldn't stop thinking about it and it made me feel and that's what I mean about um what I was saying about um um what was I saying that's what I, I was saying about you know when something makes you feel mm. so two people have written this script and it's made me feel something yeah and the fact that it's made me feel something has meant that i now needed to help it come to life yeah and so um so that's that that's that project and um it's coming out on the 15th it's part of that we've launched a platform called the drop dot movie which we're going to be releasing it on for the first window before it goes out on all the other mm -hmm. like sort of streaming platforms and so on so like you know again i'm adding an extra bow to a uh, string to my bow, bow to yeah. my string, string <laughs> to my bow. And in terms of like, you know, sort of um, looking at different ways of releasing these movies. Mm. I was going to say, I think what really um, struck me with you is that as well as being a creative, you're also very entrepreneurial and innovative. Can you talk a little bit more about these projects, like the drop that you mentioned? I think everyone that mm. is creative needs to be entrepreneurial. Mm. Or if you're not entrepreneurial, you need someone entrepreneurial on your team. Right. Because if you want to be a successful creative, you can't wait for permission to create. So you have to always think of ways to innovate. And so for us, like we made this film Trapping. And for years, me and my business partner have been talking about, oh, we should set up a platform. We should do this. We should do that. We're talking about it for years. And then I was like, you know what? We've got this film. It's been sat there for a while. Um, let's finish it off because we didn't finish we left it kind of unfinished like a little bit unfinished let's finish it off and let's test out this idea of setting up a platform what does that look like and so then the drop.movie the idea is it's uh, it's about drops so in 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 culture in drop culture you've got people in trainers like you know different trainers drop it's on for a limited period of time and then after that you can't see it again You've got that with, with trainers. You've got that with um. You've got that with some like you know sort of music and limited edition things. So the idea is we drop films on a drop exclusively for thirty days, and then after that it becomes available elsewhere or not at all. Sometimes so like there'll be films that become available elsewhere. There'll be other films after thirty days you don't see it anywhere again. And so that's the idea behind the drop is that, and also on the platform we're only ever gonna have like one piece of content at a time. Mm -hmm. But at the moment, it's trapping. The next piece of content goes on that would just be that piece of content. And so the idea is we do, you know, in the same way that Yeezys used to drop or like Jordan 1s used to drop or Jordan 4s drop, we'll be doing like, you know, movie drops and television show drops. Like, and it will only be on there for a limited period of time. And whoever sees it, sees it. Whoever doesn't see it, doesn't see it. Wow. So really making that the art form more exclusive. Yeah, because mm -hmm. actually the problem you've got with a lot of the streaming platforms is that there's a library of content that you're never going to work your way through. Mm -hmm. And so why don't we shine a light on a specific piece of content and like, you know, and really um, concentrate all our marketing around mm -hmm. that piece of content and really elevate the audience's engagement with that content through like, NFTs, through merch, through the music, through like tomorrow we're dropping um, a music video from the EP soundtrack for the movie. Um, with abracadabra and that's like again going to drop on a platform and all of these things is like how do we innovate in the way that we release content and also data 
how do we collect data on who is engaging with our content? Right. The only way for us to do that is through having a platform. Amazing. Very impressive stuff. So as somebody who has, I would like to get to the I feel like we're so far. This is like, it feels <laughs> far. But anyway, that's just my opinion. I feel like I have to like... You need to come yeah, close yeah, though. I, I, feel, I feel far. But I think we're close enough, but it just feels far. Um, as someone who's experienced so much success and also been around a lot of people that have been very successful. Yeah, mu like much more successful mm. people than me. Like, you know, and I, I feel blessed to have met a lot of like, you know, been part of a lot of successful people's journey because actually what what they they do for me on a daily basis is keep me motivated mm. on and keep in my mind that anything's possible anything yeah. if i can conceive of it i can do it and like actually god has got things planned for me that i can't even conceive of yet yeah. what would you say is the key ingredient that you've observed either within yourself or the people around you that you think has really contributed to the success in this industry? Um, you have to be disciplined. Mm. I know a lot of people are competitive. I'm competitive. I compete with myself. Like, I'm it's like, a competitive <laughs> industry. I'm, 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 I compete yeah. with myself. I'm like, ah, yeah. oh, Femi, you did that, but that's not good enough. Let's mm. do better. Like, you know, so it's very, you have to be disciplined though. You have to be very disciplined because it's very easy to be distracted. It's very easy to get caught up in the trappings of the industry, like be it like, you know, sort of partying, like, you know, drugs or whatever, or like even like, you know, like sex. Like not not like as in I having sex with lots of people, mm -hmm. but there's there's like lots of sexy elements to the industry. Mm -hmm. Like not even in a relational seductive, way. Yeah, yeah, it's very yeah. seductive. Yeah. Not beyond the relational yeah. way. Like just like actually the way the industry is, there's loads of things that can distract you from what your goal is. And and so I just think I just think being very disciplined and structured in the mm -hmm. way that you approach your goals and the world is yeah. um, is paramount and focused on the art. Yeah, 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 I think so. I think it's paramount. I, I think everything else like fame and all of that fame is a byproduct of talent and implementation. Mm. Fame should not be the fixation in itself. And this is, it's such a competitive industry. And I think you do get a lot of people that come into the industry for the fame. Mm. Do you think it's possible to succeed in this industry without being competitive? Yes, because there's nothing like God-given talent. Yeah. And, and also, I feel like whatever has been, what is for you will not pass you by. So whatever has been appointed for you to do in your life you'll be able to do regardless of of anything mm. however i think people that are disciplined and hard working i've seen more of them make it than talented people yeah yeah sometimes it's just staying in the room like, i've seen people that are terrible at what they do <laughs> that just work really hard and make it and consistent and just yeah, don't give up i've seen them make it yeah, I love that. Can you um, talk us through one of your career highlights and also one of your biggest challenges so far? One of my biggest failures. We'll start there. Okay. Yeah, start let's not even use the word challenges. <laughs> one of my biggest failures in my career was my, I made a film called It's A Lot. It was my first movie. And I remember um, I, I poured a lot into that movie. Like, you know, I, I was with one of my friends the other day and she reminded me that she was one of my drivers on the production. I didn't even know that. 
she'd worked for me in that way. Like she was like, oh, no, I drove for you. Don't you remember I was picking up the actors for you? I was like, raw. Like, you know, we had like very limited budget and so we stretched it. We did our best to stretch it. And I pulled so much into it. And I remember the first week the film came out, I went to the box, um, to the cinema. And I, usually I do this every time I have a film come out. And before this, I'd only been in kidhood, adulthood, and motherhood. And they were all like really successful in the box office. And I remember sat in that car park and my business partner went into the cinema and he came back. He said they'd only sold eight tickets for my film. I wanted the ground to swallow me. I wanted to cry. And I wanted to cry, but I couldn't. This happens to me sometimes and I'm so upset. I'm annoyed with myself because I'm like, I wish I was a crier. Yeah. If I could cry yeah. right now, it would be some done. Release. Yeah, <laughs> you know, and I couldn't find that release. And I remember I went home, I slept and I said to myself, I'm never going to let something that I worked so hard for, something that I want, wanted so much, um, do this to me ever again. And, um, and then I picked up. Um, I, I spoke to my business partner that Christmas. This might be in September, October. Spoke to him that Christmas. It was 2013. Spoke to him that Christmas and he was like, he's got an idea to make a street film. I said, oh, this sounds good. He pitches me the idea. I said, yeah, let's do it. Um, I remember February 2014. Um, I went to, no, Easter 2014 maybe. I went to Nigeria. I came back. He'd written a draft of the script. We read it. We, um, I rewrote the script and then we started pitching it to investors. We got money to do it. We made a film called The Intent, which is probably like one of the highlights of my career. Mm. Because again, that's something that like between me and my business partner, we worked, we invested our mind on and and, and we 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 brought to life against all odds in a way, because like we we worked really hard um to we just come off the back of something that wasn't successful. So like it's it's harder to find support mm -hmm. when doing that. But we found support, we made that movie, and then we eventually sold it to Netflix. So I would say that's definitely one of the highlights of my career. Like having my own film, like Kid Out of those mm -hmm. films, they're cool, like, you know, they're amazing. They were great to be part of those films, but they're not my films. So like being able to conceive of something and being able to be part of the process and putting something together and that like, seeing it go all the way to Netflix. Yeah. Um, I thought, and off the back of like, you know, what for me was one of my lowest moments in my career. Um, I think that was very powerful. But I've had loads of, like, difficult moments. I've had loads of highs as well. Like, you know, there's just, like, periods where you're just on a high. Like, yeah. for a whole year, the year's lit. Yeah. And then there's other years, nothing's happening. Like, All but right. you just have to soldier through. And and what I remember, like, what, um, you just have to really persevere. Mm. And, like, also what has been preordained for me, what is meant for me will never pass me by. So I don't, I'm not jealous of other people. I'm not, I'm not even, I'm not angry at where, where I'm at for any sustained period of time. Mm. Like there's days where I'm proper sad. Like I'm like, oh my gosh, I wish this was going my way. I wish that was going my way. There's days, but it's never weeks and years and months because I'm I make I'm too proactive for that. I just start doing something else or like I get active on something else. Because it's very important to me to um to continue to walk within my purpose, which is, you know, a path that I've chosen. I've got a law degree from London School of Economics, I could have got a corporate job. I chose not to do that. I chose to do what I do. And so I am diligent in doing that. And I'm I'm blessed to be able to get paid to come up with ideas and then make them. Right. That's gold right there, though. I think that's such a testimony to endurance and the perseverance that you actually need in this industry because mm -hmm. it is everyone sees the highs. 
but people don't even realize like there's always valleys in between. No those one mountains. saw me in that car park because no one booked tickets to go and watch that film. No one saw me in that car park in in um Lee Valley, Odeon, by myself, and my business partner just driving home, going home to want to cry. Trying to cry, yeah. <laughs> you know, there's nothing more pathetic than like trying to cry. Imagine wanting to cry and not crying, like perfect. <laughs> well, yeah, here we are. I love it. Um, okay, so we have something going on right now in the industry. Um, we have a lot of protests. So it's quite a controversial topic. Yeah. AI in yeah. the industry. What's your opinion? What's your view on the future of the industry? And do you think AI is something that can be implemented for good? Or do you think it's something that we should be quite scared of? I don't think we should be scared of anything. We're humans. We, we've seen... We've stared down bigger things than AI and, and came out on top, right? Mm -hmm. I think we should embrace the opportunities offered by AI. I think the opportunities, the, you know, the big investors and streamers and so on trying to use AI to create projects in lieu of hum human beings, it's not going to work because AI, in essence, in what I understand, is large language modeling. So it's based on information that already exists in the world where like i said to you i conceive ideas from my head that mm -hmm. don't exist on the internet yet mm -hmm. not all the time because i'm influenced by what's around me but right. basically to say ai can do what humans do is to say humans can never innovate and we're always innovating i believe that i'm a christian so like you know i could speak from that place and even people that are not christian yeah. believe that humans are uniquely special and have re like even humanists believe this right that humans are uniquely special in our ability to innovate and to conquer and any any issues that befall us right so like I, I believe that we are primarily positioned to make the most of ai i also understand the writer's strike and the fact that the writers are scared that because these people Investors, the industry, I suppose, are trying to see ways to cut corners and like yeah. to cut down human contribution. I don't think we can live in fear. I think we mm -hmm. should embrace these things and use it to innovate and do greater things because they are tools to human beings rather than replacements. I love that. I really love that perspective. Okay, so Femi, if you can visualize five years from now, yeah, where would Femi, be what would you be doing and what kind of stories and messages would you like to be telling i want to tell like you know more i want to say so five years from now i want to i've built the drop to be a bigger platform than it is today i also my goal is to try to make two or three movies a year for the next five years like Realistic, like really, really. Not all of them will be mine. Some of them, I've got like two projects in LA that I'm attached to. So like some of them will be um, projects that I'm just coming on board to direct or write or whatever. And maybe one or two of them will be mine or one or two of them are external projects. So I, I want to have made projects though that are more um, diverse in that the subject mat matters that they tackle. That I want to like, so like if you look at the stuff that I've made now, I've made a faith-based film that is not that big, but if I want to do something like that, that's huge. 
I've made like action film. I'm, I've got a project coming up in October um, called Drunk History, which I've made for Comedy Central, which is like, you know, a historical piece. I'm, like, I've made different, I've made documentary, I've done loads of different things, but I want to cover more subject matters. And I also want to be in a position that um, I like bringing people in. So I like helping people get into the industry. So I want to have created something that allows me to do that in a way that doesn't compromise my ability to create as well. Yeah. Speaking of which, mm. you have created a course yes. on filmmaking yeah. for that very purpose to mm -hmm. help people get into the industry. Mm -hmm. um, for somebody who's never done filmmaking before, can you give them a picture of what a day in the life of a filmmaker looks like? Well, so... A full-time filmmaker. A day in the life. Um, on, a day, on a day you're in prep. So, like, prep days are different from shoot days, right? On a day you're in prep. You might be, you know, having meetings with any of your art department, wardrobe, makeup. Um, you might be casting actors. You might be meeting financiers and investors. You might be talking to distribu distribution companies about, you know, what sort of press you want on set. You might be um, just like, you know, reviewing the script with a writer or if you've written it yourself, rewriting the script. You might be working with the first AD, which is the first assistant director. Everyone that doesn't work in film thinks an assistant director is a assistant to the director, but really it's a logistic job. So the first AD is the like runs the floor of the film set, and so you might be liaising with them about what the schedule looks like because they they manage the schedule and make sure that the shooting is running on time. Um, could be doing all manner of things. I mean, mm -hmm. there's loads of departments that you have to engage with. There's loads of different people like filmmaking. The uniqueness of filmmaking everything else in every other creative medium you can't do it yourself mm -hmm. and also film brings in every other art form done well it brings in all the different aspects and brings them together and like you know and and that's what that's what your work will entail in prep and then on a shoot day obviously everyone thinks a director's job is to shout action <laughs> you know what when i first started directing i couldn't wait to get on set and say action now i don't even really say action that much i let the first ad yeah. say action and we're like I rarely do the action. <laughs> Someone else does the action chat. But like, you know, when you're on set, you probably arrive on set, have a meeting with your team, with the production team, and you probably have a meeting with um, your first AD to talk about what you're going to shoot that day and how you're going to set it up. And once you've set up the shots with your first AD and your, like, your, your camera team and the lighting team and all of those guys, um, then you, you you meet. So I said first AD. Then you you talk about the schedule. You maybe talk to the DOP, the uh, cinematographer, about what looks you're going for in the different scenes. And then you have a chat with the actors. And the the thing is, when I was just an actor, I used to think it was all about me. <laughs> I didn't realize. I thought the director's job was just to come on set and direct me. Yeah. I didn't realize the director's job was to direct everybody. And so the director's the director, in a way, is on a set is the creative director of everything that is creative. The producer is the logistics manager. Mm -hmm. Like, do you get what I'm saying? And so, like, for me, when I'm on set, um, I get there, I plan with my, 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 my DOP and everything, what we're doing creatively, relay that to the actors, work close with the actors throughout the day, 
shoot what we're shooting. Maybe at lunchtime, I might watch some rushes. Maybe at the end of the day again, I might um, I might um, I might watch what we shot that day, and then I'll go home, and then I'll do it probably like plan shots for the next day if I'm not exhausted, and then keep it moving. But what I will always have before I shoot any film is that I usually do a shot list, or I rarely use storyboards. A lot of directors use storyboards, but I've I always use a short shot list. It's very boring the way I do it though. Like every single shot I want to capture in the film is on a shot list in an Excel document. And it goes on for pages and pages and pages. It's oh, wow. that. I mean I do this for like short films as well and I do this for like music videos, but on feature films it goes on for pages and pages and pages and pages. Wow, that's amazing. And is there one habit that you think you've picked up or like one, whether it's like a routine that you have or something that you do on a regular that you think is really helpful other than making a very extensive shot list? <laughs> what, when in the shoot process? Any process, even just in your day-to-day. Hmm. One habit. One good habit that I would like to form is I would like to write every day. Because like I told you, it's the closest I feel to God. Like I'm creating worlds and universes and yeah. like in my head. So I want to do that every day. But I don't get to do it every day. If I'd, if I'd say what, what I do get to do every day is that I do get back to people straight away. And also, I'm doing multiple projects. So right now, I'm doing Drunk History. I'm releasing a movie, Trapping. Um, I'm managing um, like a few elements of that Trapping process, including the premiere, the marketing, the PR, the like, just lots of different elements. And then I'm trying to engage with people to do for other work. So you shouldn't wait for one job to finish before you set up another job. Otherwise, you'll be poor in the break. Yeah, <laughs> it's true. It's true. I love that. Femi, you've been so generous uh, with sharing stuff. Can you talk a little bit about this course that you're developing uh, for aspiring filmmakers? I think for me, I think the most exciting thing is I've got all this wealth of knowledge. I've been Mm. in the industry for about 20 years now coming up and I've been directing since 2008. And so I don't know how many years that is because my maths is not mathing right now. But the point is, it's a long time. It's like 15 years or something. And so ultimately, like, you know, I want to, I've got to the stage in my career where I want to share what I've learned. And I've got to the stage in my career where I also want to, like, develop best practice for other people. And, and I feel like I meet a lot of directors that have never really worked with actors. They don't really know what to do with actors. I meet a lot of directors that don't understand camera, or that don't understand shots, or that don't understand, like, you know, the different range of shots you can use and even like down to like, you know, sort of um, like working with different departments and like the fact that you have to be amenable to everyone. So like anytime I'm on set, like, you know, I was shooting about a month ago and I will go in every single day when I'm on set, I'll go into every department and I'll have a chat with them. Even though they've not asked me, it'll be an informal chat. I'll go into their room. I'll be like, good morning, everyone. Da, 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 da. And do you know what happens? They'll bring their problems to you in that situation. Even though they, so I know early in the day what my potential issues are going to be during the day. Say an actor's wig takes four hours to put on. I know that in the morning just because I went into the hair and makeup room. Not because they've told me, not because it's filtered. Because what happens normally 
they don't want to tell you, so they'll tell producers, they'll tell the first AD, they'll tell everyone else but you. So what I have done, what go back to your habit question, question actually, <laughs> a habit that I've got is that I will go into every single department in the morning and I'll say hello to everyone. But me going around saying hello to everyone is not just me saying hello to steal their sweets or like to drink coffee in their room. It's me finding out what the issues are organically before the day begins. I mean, communication yeah. is like the best habit. Yeah, I mean, you have to do it yeah. stealthily sometimes because actually people, sometimes sometimes people, because um, you're the director, you're the boss, people are scared to talk to you. So you have to make yourself amenable to everyone. So that build they, relationships. Yeah, you have to build, you have to be accessible and amenable to everyone so that they can talk to you and say how they really feel. And because you're trying to manage every single department to get the best out of them. It's not just the actors. Like the actors are as important as the makeup artist to me. The, act, the makeup artist is not less than the actor. They're all part of the, a facet building one whole body. And so for me, that that's really what I want to relay to, to other up-and-coming filmmakers. And I want to relay actually like what it's like to work for a TV station, to work for a distribution company, to work how, how you need to conduct yourself when taking notes. Because a lot of people don't know how to take notes. They don't know how to take feedback from execs. But whoever pays the bills owns the work. <laughs> Right. And so you need to find out a way to manage your relationship with the investors mm. as marry their ideas with your ideas. And keep your creative integrity. And, and keep your creativity. Yeah. That's, that's every creative person. Most of the time, creative people don't have the money they need to make stuff. Yeah. And then they don't want to listen to, to the, the people. people that have the money they need to make stuff. So it's that marriage. I think that's really yeah. important. And I've had to manage a few of those situations myself. And now that I'm an exec, I'm having to manage other directors and their engagement with my production company and what that looks like from outside with me conveying their creativity to execs at a TV channel. I love it. So this course, this course is really unique because I think not only are you giving hands-on information, but also having the one-on-one -on -one mentoring yeah. and that real connection from the learning integrating actually into the industry. Yeah. Um, so anyone in the industry who's in filmmaking can really benefit from this course. But is it something that somebody can do who hasn't had any prior experience? Yeah, for sure. For sure. Like, you know, like the idea is, is I'm about access. I want people to have access to knowledge. Because once you have knowledge, then you can go on and create what, you can add your own value to the knowledge that is pre-existing. It's what I was saying about AI and, and, and LLM, and the large language modeling. It's not like, knowledge exists in the world, but the knowledge in itself is not enough if you don't add your value. You can't just plagiarize people's work. Like you can look at other people's work and then your take on it is completely different. So the idea is that, you know, you, sh you, you can't, you don't have to come with um, any preconceived ideas. You can have no ideas and like just build from there. And it could be like, you know, uh, a foundation to you actually going out, out there and learning how to create from scratch. I love that. Yeah. Wow. Thank you so no, much. You. I could speak to you all day. I feel like we're going to have too. to wrap it up. Is that it? It's it. I'm oh, afraid. Gosh, I'm sad. I want to Yeah, cry. but thank you. <laughs> <laughs>
but you can't cry. I can't cry. I don't, I don't know how to do it. I don't know how to do it. So, guys, thank you so much for tuning in. Remember to subscribe, like, and comment below. And do sign up for Femi's course in the link below or go to wearemasterly.com. That is it from us. You are the master of your destiny, so you take the lead. Do you want to say cut? Cut. <laughs> <Yeah. laughs>